And I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Today is the third Sunday in Lent, which means that we are halfway through this season of penitence and self-examination. You might not have noticed, but our normal lectionary year B gospel cycle of hearing Mark's gospel on Sunday mornings has taken a little break. And this morning we're presented with a reading from St. John. We're going to stay with John now through the end of Lent and throughout the Easter season before eventually returning again to the Gospel of Mark. In today's reading, we hear an account of an event that's usually described as the cleansing of the temple. Jesus trying to recover the original purpose of the temple, the worship of God, and the roots of that worship the covenant made with Moses centuries before to love God above all else and your neighbor as yourself. Now, there's nothing in John's story to reveal the buildup of Jesus's anger that culminates in this cleansing of the temple and the driving out of the money changers. Probably John figured that his audience would simply hear and understand what was going on. But it's important for us today to understand this scene in the context of John's gospel. In the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, this confrontation is associated with the passion of Jesus right before his crucifixion. But John places it about three years earlier, right at the beginning of Jesus's public ministry, right after his first miracle at the wedding in Canaan. And the key to John's placement of the cleansing of the temple here is in verse 22, which is the last verse of today's lectionary passage. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this. See, those who have studied the Gospel of John will tell you that John looks at everything through the lens of the resurrection. It's not that the other Gospels don't, but the others tend to heavily tip that balance of the dual divine human nature of Jesus towards the human. In John, the scales are weighted far more on the side of the divine, the ultimate mystery of the Word of God made flesh. In Jesus. As John narrates this story, this event of the cleansing of the temple is intimately connected with baptism, the baptism of Jesus and of his followers as well. And so this story is really our story too. It's all tied up with who Jesus is as Son of God and who we are as children of God, and how we live out the life that becomes ours in baptism, when the Spirit of God sends us out, as Jesus was once sent out, into the wilderness of our lives. This story is an important part of our Lenten journey to Easter. 
and our own renewal of our baptismal covenant that we'll make when Easter comes. That's what this baptismal covenant of ours is all about. It's about acknowledging that we will be wrestling with evil and receiving the promise that God will be with us and help us prevail. Will you persevere in resisting evil? And whenever you sin, notice it's not if you sin, when you sin, will you repent and return to the Lord? Well, the answer in our prayer book is not simply, I will, but I will with God's help. The same with those promises we make about regular church attendance or proclaiming the good news, loving our neighbor, striving for justice and peace, respecting the dignity of every human being. I will with God's help. The good news is that in baptism, we become one with Christ. Christ and the cross of Christ become woven right into our being, and it becomes inseparable from us. Because of it, we are united with Christ and Christ with us. In his own struggle against evil of all kinds, in his death, and finally, and above all, in his resurrection, through which God has overcome all evil with good. It is this good news which gives us hope and comfort in times of war or conflict, times of national crisis, global pandemic, and even in those day-to-day -day temptations to choose the easy and self-serving way instead of those which will serve the common good. This baptismal covenant of ours harkens back to the covenant God made with the Israelites who wandered in the wilderness of Sinai. God reminded the people that what wonders had been done for them, and then God gave them a gift, the law. Ten commandments to make of them one nation of people under their God and to help bring some order into their lives to help them live together in justice and in peace. It's the same law which gives order to our lives even today and which continues to sanctify our relationships with God and with one another. That same law is the foundation of our baptismal covenant. In another gospel account, Jesus tries to make it even clearer. Love God and love your neighbor as yourself, he says. On those two commandments hang all of the law and the prophets. The trouble was, and honestly still is, that the whole system had gone awry. The system had turned those ten commandments, which was the original law, into over 600 detailed rules. You see, those transactions that Jesus encountered in Jerusalem at the temple were perfectly legal. According to the rules, 
Cattle, sheep, and doves, which were these ritualistically clean animals, were required for the burnt offerings in the temple at Passover. But because people made pilgrimages to go to the temple, many of them came from far away and couldn't bring such offerings with them. So animals were available for sale in the outer court of the temple. You may recall from another biblical story that the money of the day bore the image of the occupying Roman emperor, Caesar. And that money was not acceptable in the temple, so therefore had to be changed into the shekel, which could then be used. Sounds reasonable, right? The problem was that this legal arrangement exploited the poor because the money changers added on a little something extra to pad their own pockets. It was an example of what we today might call structural injustice. So when Jesus attacks the practice in the temple, he was actually attacking a temple system which promoted worship without compassion, works without mercy, religion without substance, ritual without justice. When those temple leaders demanded to know by what authority Jesus acted as he did, he replied, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. As usual, they didn't understand since for Judaism, the temple is the place where God dwells on earth. Jesus was saying that his own body is now that temple, the place where God dwells. And here we are, the body of Christ in our world today. God is in the midst of us. So, body of Christ... In what ways might God work through you to restore the law of love in our time? What injustices do you see around you? Poverty? The grossly unequal spread of wealth in our world? Homelessness? Exploitation of the poor? Discrimination? Racism? Any of the isms? Do we just accept them as unavoidable or do we actively work against them? When we meet God in worship on Sunday, how does this experience transform our lives for the rest of the week? Do we see through that lens of the resurrection? Are you ever at war within yourself as St. Paul was, wanting to do what is good, yet falling easily into that which leads to sin? I imagine most of us fall into that company. Perhaps these final three weeks of Lent might be a good time to examine those questions, to repent where necessary, and to take whatever actions God might be calling us to do so that Easter will truly be a resurrection from the dead and the beginning of a new life for each of us 
and for the world which God has given us to live. God is our hope through it all. And God's love will ultimately triumph in the end.